Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the founder and head coach at Straight Shot Training, a personal training company that helps people of all fitness levels build strength and confidence both in and out of the gym with focused workouts and expert coaching. Coach Delaney Bodner joins me on the show today as we get into training while sick, how the proportions of your limb length affect how you lift, what protein bars we personally like and which ones we recommend to clients, and we finish with a fun game of overrated, underrated with Thanksgiving foods. So let's start out with our first topic here. Should you train while you're sick? There are a few ways that I've heard when it comes to training while sick, uh, but it's mainly in terms of cold. So were you thinking like stomach bugs, like everything when you said training while sick? Um, yeah, I was thinking everything, everything. Okay, so cool. Cold I guess plus I, all the other stuff. Okay. Got it. So personally, what do you do? Um, it depends. If I'm feeling really, really, really bad. Um, I won't train like at all and I'll all. rest. Um, especially okay. if there's a fever, like if there's a fever, it won't. Um, if I don't have a fever, I'll kind of adjust and kind of do a really intuitive approach. So depending on how I feel. So Um, for example, if it's like the tail end of a cold, I'll definitely lift and work out. Um, I might have to adjust a few things, but for the most part, I stick to the program as much as possible. Um, if I'm on the onset of being sick, then I kind of just really scale back. Um, if I need to, I just leave it early. Um, but biggest thing is, A, I listen to my body so I don't make myself sicker longer. (laughs) And I like immediately hydrate, like immediately. Oh yeah. Now clients typically, and this is, this is one of those things where like trainers can sometimes be the worst patients. We can be the worst <laughs> clients ourselves. Most clients I would tell them to rest. Uh, but a lot of times that's because, you know, they, they have different goals than we do uh, when we're in our training. And a lot of times taking an extra rest day for them, if they're training three times a week is, is going to be totally fine. Yeah. And it's going, they're not going to be bringing, you know, whatever they have into a, a gym and possibly risk getting other people sick, which I think is super important, especially now because of, of COVID. Whereas with us as, as coaches, we might be training most of the time we're training completely alone. So I think yeah. the, the big thing about is like, should I train while I'm sick is, well, don't make other people sick is a big thing. <laughs> So, so I would say if you are sick, maybe consider doing a home workout because that will allow you to take your intensity down a little bit, rest longer and and not expose other people to whatever you have. But then also maybe you might have, you know, halfway through your warm up, realize I'm way too sick to be doing this. And you wouldn't have already driven to the gym because I think if you drive to the gym, you're going to push yourself to a a, a level that you maybe shouldn't because like, well, I drove to the gym. I I should get this whole workout in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and training isn't shouldn't just be like checking a box. I think a lot of people think, well, I I still need to work out even though I'm sick because I need to get this amount of work in. What you're talking about is like, are you, are you doing anything that's actually beneficial for you? Because you with Olympic lifting, like, what kind of things would you do when you were if you're feeling bad that might still be beneficial for you? Um, a lot of mobility work for sure. Um, okay. So Tech, any technique work. Yeah, like mobility work, empty bar work, and then um, corrective work, like because I have uneven shoulders. So normally I always work on them. Um, 
but I would just spend extra time working on that because that's not something that's typically super heavy or super intense, but it's just something I have to mentally focus on. Okay. Um, and it's also, it also just helps my joints feel better. So if I'm sick and I'm going to be sitting and be kind of stiff for like a couple of days, I want to be not quite as stiff when I go into that. So that way I can feel as normal as possible when it's over. So, um, I mean that, so that, and that workout literally is not going to look like much <laughs> and not, not no. being like, like judgmental. It's like, it's, you're not getting your heart rate up. You're not straining. I think all of those things that are, are higher in intensity, when you do, when you push your body to that level, you have to then recover from it. And when you're recovering, your body's repairing, your immune system is not able to fully fight whatever it needs to fight because your whole body's working on several other things. Whereas you, when you're working with technique, you're, you're making more like neurological adaptations. You're learning how to move a different way. And when you are working on mobility, you're working in a larger range of motion. Your body isn't having to do a lot of work to recover from that. So it's kind of sounds like what you're saying is that if you do a workout that your body doesn't really need to recover from, that that's okay to do while you're sick, but not something that your body is going to need to really work hard to recover from because your body's already working hard to fight off whatever virus you have. Exactly. Yeah. Like don't, like, I definitely don't recommend someone like Mac trying to max out or trying to go really heavy and being like, Oh, oh gosh, let me no. do heavy five by fives. Like you're literally going to feel horrible and you're, yeah. it's not going to even go well. Like you're not going to get anything out of it. So there's no point in pushing if your body isn't going to be able to actually benefit from it because then that defeats the entire purpose and may set you back throughout the rest of being sick. That's yes. I'm glad you said that because that's, that's super important because your, your workout is only as good as the workout that you can recover from. So if you beat yourself up, you can't recover from that workout and you may have prolonged that cold or whatever another two days. And honestly, yeah. I mean, the grand scheme of things, you could take an entire week off and not do anything. But I know mentally, we, we like to do this. We have fun doing this. But if you're pushing that farther out because you didn't just take one day off in the beginning, you're now losing total training days the next week. Exactly. Yeah. So you're in the long run, in the big picture, taking like that day or two off is really not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. That, like yeah. anything back. Personally, like the other week, I at the end of a training session, of, of myself, I was just working out at the end of working out. I realized, Oh, I'm definitely getting a cold. And so I, I, I just finished my workout. And then the, I knew when I left there, I'm not going to work out again until Monday. And this was on a Thursday and that rest, I only missed one workout while I had the cold. My cold only lasted like a day because I took that rest. Had I gone into the gym and tried to lift the next day, I probably would have had the cold all weekend. Yeah. And you probably would have still been recovering from it on Monday. Oh yeah. <laughs> like for sure. <laughs> now stump, stomach bugs though. I won't work out with a stomach bug. Oh that's really? Just, no, yeah, that's I mean, just, I mean, it's just, it, it, yeah. it's been so long since I've had one, but the last time I had one, it just it drains my energy so much. I don't even think about working out. Yeah. Well, it's also it, disgusting. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> plus, so don't, ne plus never try to squat when you, with a stomach bug. Oh, <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And don't do any like high intensity. Do, don't even attempt doing high intensity interval training because you'll just vomit immediately. That's, that's okay. So that's, that's another thing here is, is what, if people are going to try to do workouts while they had a cold, maybe you said like tail end, get back into it. Would you recommend cardio or would you say strength training? Um, 
Well, I guess it does kind of depend on their overall program and goals, but I would say more so strength training with maybe some light intensity cardio. So kind of a mix of both. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, not any, not anything super high intense really for either. If you're still on the tail end, you're not hundred percent. If it's something respiratory, I would say like light intensity cardio at most yeah. um, with some, just to kind of get a little bit in, but you really don't want to overdo too much, especially if it's respiratory. If it's something non-respiratory, you can go a little bit more. Um, on the cardio side, but I would definitely, for most people, I would ease in by really just focusing on getting some strength back because lots of people do tend to really lose some strength while they're sick because A, you're dehydrated, B, your body is fighting something off. Um, so for most people, they're going to benefit more from uh, kind of easing back in with strength first and then cardio second. And the, like you said before, the goals of your strength training, you're not going to really gain strength. Because you're yeah. not going to be a lift, you're not going to be a lift as much. So your power output is going to be down, and you're not going to be able to recover as well. So you're just going to be really sore, and so anything high volume is going to be pointless anyway. So I almost think like the whole purpose of you working out while you're sick is psychological. Like you just need to move. So just yeah. move yeah. in a in an easy way that feels good, so you get some movement, but don't try to do anything where you expect to make any gains. Uh, and, oh, and, no. you know, and you don't have to worry about losing progress when it comes to, to strength. Like you were talking about like people losing strength. That's, that's like a temporary loss of strength during a cold. That's, yeah, not, a per- not, that's not a permanent loss of strength. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We yeah, definitely probably could better, do an entire like episode on this. Yeah, we totally could. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Limb length proportions and why it matters. And this one is, we, we don't need to spend too, too much time on because this is one of the things that we will nerd out on, uh, yeah. but that it m- might only make a little bit of sense to other people, but I think it's important. So let's, I guess limb length, we're talking about proportions between maybe your lower leg and your upper leg or your upper leg and your torso, your spine or your upper arm or your lower arm, or the proportions of your arms to your legs, how things relate to each other, and how those affect the lifts that you were doing. So we're do, what lift were you thinking of? You want to start with squat? Yeah, I was going to do squat as like the best example. Perfect, um, perfect. And we can yeah, probably even just spend time with squat because I'm deadlifting is, is kind of similar as a squat, except you have the arms involved, the arm length involved. Yeah. But um, yeah, so why, do, why does limb length and proportion of limb length matter on a squat yeah so different so everyone's built obviously a little bit different um not everyone has the same limb length proportions so what we mean by proportions we don't mean size as in proportions like um like the width of anything we mean proportions as in the limb length so how long your bones actually are um compared to other structures in your body so like some people have they're so lucky, (laughs) have really long torsos compared to their limbs. So for example, if you were to take a squat, someone with a longer torso and long or in shorter limbs, especially shorter upper legs, so shorter femur is going to be naturally more upright than someone who has a shorter torso in relation to their legs, particularly their um, upper legs or their femur. So because I know sometimes people see like, oh, this is the perfect squat or this is the perfect deadlift. But 
there is really no such thing as like one that's going to be completely perfect. You have to find one that's perfect for you and perfect for your proportions. So someone that has a long torso, their perfect squat is, well, quote, perfect, (laughs) is probably going to be a lot more upright than someone that um, has really, really long femurs compared to their torso. Their perfect squat is probably going to be less upright and they're going to have a little bit more of an angle, but it still is what's most efficient for them. Um, And it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It just means that one works better for a certain like bone structure versus the other. Yeah. And and there's also things that you can do to, to get over the fact that like, if you have a really short torso and long femurs, you know, squatting is, is going to be more difficult for you. And it's because of, you know, the, the bones have to fold over each other in order for you to get into your squat, but there's also your balance. So you have to have a bar on your back and the bar has to be placed over the middle of your foot, which means all of the bones around that have to fold in a certain way in order for that bar to go straight up and down. Yeah. But you can also make your stance wider to change how high your torso is going to be. So it's not just yes. a forward and backwards thing. It's also rotational and a, and a lateral thing. And this is the kind of thing that, that we love about coaching is that when somebody comes in and works with us, we can help you figure out. I was just working with somebody this morning who was having trouble falling forward in their squats and we widened their stance and they were able to keep a more upright torso because they were kind of sitting in between their legs rather than folding over their legs. And, yes. uh, and that's the kind of thing that having an extra set of eyes really helps with because your coach can help you figure those things out because we literally obsess about this stuff and it would be <laughs> absurd for us to expect somebody else to, to be thinking about their femoral length in relationship to their torso <laughs> angle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the other, the other thing is like front squats. I know some people really have trouble with front squats because when they're holding onto the bar and the bar is on the front of their shoulder, the bar is in their throat and like choking them. And it's not a comfortable position for them. Whereas like my forearm and my upper arm completely fold over each other in a perfect position that when I'm front squatting, I don't have that discomfort with the bar up against my throat. Like, like some people do. Yeah. So, so there are certain lifts like that where, you know, you can totally change Like you might have to use, um, like an open grip on your front squat or crossing your arms or using straps. Um, it, it's not even a mobility issue. It's literally just your bone length can make a yeah. big difference on it. And then, like you said before, finding what's going to work for you. And there are certain lifts that are going to be better for certain people than other people. Yeah. Yeah. And some people like naturally right out of the gate are probably going to be a lot more comfortable doing like either a deadlift versus a squat or a squat versus a deadlift. Just as an example, there are a bunch of other things, but yeah. um, Yeah. And some of that just has to do with what they're used to and just kind of a bunch of other factors, but proportion does play a role in kind of what you naturally tend to feel a little bit more comfortable at. So it just means that you have to take, you just have to do some extra work to get more comfortable with the things maybe you're not proportionally suited for, but like with your coach, like your coach can make adjustments to make it as comfortable and successful for you as possible. So that way you're super efficient. Yes. And it is, it is really, you know, you taking kind of ownership of, of your body with that movement and, and you figuring out what works best for you. Obviously the coach, the coach is going to help you, but only, you know, what it feels like in, inside yeah. your body. <laughs> 
And movement should feel good and it should feel natural. And there are certain things with a barbell and stuff, they're going to feel unnatural at first. But, uh, you know, if obviously pain is a, is a good signal of, hey, this might, this isn't working out for me, but also just, I don't feel stable. This doesn't feel comfortable. And working with your coach to figure out, you know, how can we change your stance, change your grip? I mean, that's a big thing is, and yeah. you know, this with Olympic lifting is, you know, your arm length, just total arm length is going mm-hmm. to dictate what your grip is when you're pressing overhead or when you're pulling because there's better positions for you to be in if you have longer arms versus if you have, you know, T-Rex arms. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Like totally changes how, like where your grip with grip width is. Um, but it's going to allow you to be as successful as you can be in those lifts. Sweet. Um, yeah. All right, let's let's roll right into protein bars. And we won't get into like tons of different things with ingredients. Let's just go with our top picks for protein bars. So what do you look for in a protein bar for you or maybe what you what you recommend to your clients? Um, well, I actually don't really like protein bars that much. Um, and I don't eat them a ton. But um when I do, I look for one that's high in protein. Um has, <laughs> Sorry, Johnny's warming up. I'm, 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 no, I'm, str- I'm stretching. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> one that has protein. Um, and I definitely try and get one that has some fiber in it as well. Um, that's so that's okay. So when you look at it though, do you look at where the fiber is coming from? Like what the ingredient is? Oh no, I just go fiber. Yep. This works. <laughs> like Lara bars <laughs> are my favorite. I love Lara bars. And I don't know if they're technically considered a protein bar, even though they have they're kind of like that weird mixture between like a like granola, not granola, but like a nutrition bar slash protein bar. I would um, not consider them a protein bar because they are so much higher in fat and carbs than protein, but I think they're amazing. And you say Lara bar, I call them Lara bar. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Cause there's, is, and it's just dates, peanuts, chocolate, and like sea salt or some other stuff in it. Um, but yeah, I think in order to be a protein bar and I can't remember what the number is, there has to be a certain percentage of the total calories coming from protein for you to call it a protein bar. And if you're going to call something a meal bar or a meal replacement, it has to have a certain percentage in ratio of carbs, fat, and protein. Yeah. And I think it also has to have a certain number of calories as well to be a meal. Certain number of calories. It has to be fortified with certain vitamins. And I used to have it all memorized. I used to have it all memorized. I can't remember what it is now, (laughs) but so, but back to the fiber thing. If I see a protein bar that has more than 10 grams of fiber, I typically won't get it because the fiber they're using is either inulin or chicory root fiber. And anyone who's ever had like horrible gas or bloating after eating a protein bar, that's what they're putting in there. It's a really cheap fiber. It comes from tree bark and and they use that to increase the fiber content in that. So you think it was, you know, it's high fiber, it's filling and decrease what they call the net carbs, uh, which is, you know, the total carbohydrates minus sugar, alcohols, and fiber. Uh, but net carbs aren't even a real thing. Your body still has to process the carbohydrates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if it's high in sugar alcohols or high in fiber coming from chicory root fiber or inulin, I typically won't get it because that's the kind of stuff that can upset your stomach. That's just me personally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally don't get any um, stomach issues with those. It actually like helps. <laughs> oh, okay. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is why I like them. Um, I also like RX bars. RX bars are great. RX um, are my, RX are my favorite and that's just dates, 
sea salt, yeah. uh, almonds, chocolate, and um, egg whites. And I like yeah. those because they're similar to the Lara bars, but they have higher protein because the egg whites. Yeah. And they're really, really like, like you said, they're really minimal with their ingredients. So you're yeah. not really getting pretty much anything that's an, an additive as far as I know. Some flavors might have something in it because I know they have a lot now. Um, like they have a ton of flavors now. No, it's still that they're, they're really sticking to their like, I mean, they're add dry fruit and stuff into it, but they're really not adding crazy stuff in it because that's kind of like oh, that's their whole thing is like they can put the, they can put every ingredient on the front of the bar. And it even says like, this is made with two egg whites, five dates, three cashews, which I think is a cool yeah. selling point because people were like, yeah. can literally imagine what that looks like and just think, oh, this is all smashed into a bar. Yeah. And then they'll be like, oh, that sounds good. You should try to make them. What if we, I think if we bought you the ingredients oh, yeah. and we let, and we let you make our X bars and you can put it up as a recipe on the website. Oh, that'd be fun. I think it's a good I experiment. Don't, I, I can't promise that they would look very nice, but oh, no, I mean, I fully expect them to look like a sheet pan full of turds, but I think that that would be the <laughs> funny part about it. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be really fun. Um, uh, and so those are, are, so those are, and those really are not the highest in protein. Or what are the ones that no. you go for that are like high in protein? Um, Quest. Okay. And um, have you tried no? What, have you tried no cow? Uh, oh, I had tried no cow. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> what flavor did you get? It was like the jo- uh, the chocolate. I don't know. It was the chocolate brownie. I'm pretty sure that's. Oh, okay. The, it was the one that had the brown. I remember the color of the packaging. I don't remember the thing. It was yeah. white, and then it had like you didn't. The brown you didn't like it. Okay. Yeah, I like no cow. No. Um. Just flavor wise, texture. What didn't you like about uh, it? No texture. Got it. Cause see, that's my thing with Quest is that is it's too gummy because of the fiber they add into it. I think yeah. Quest is a, is oh, a little too. Oh, Quest is not does not taste good, but in terms of protein, <laughs> it's pretty it's it's pretty good in terms of how much protein you're gonna get um, compared to like some of the other bars in the market. Um, and Gate, yes. um, I want to say Gatorade, but this might be wrong because it might be like a they might Gatorade might be a parent brand, but they came out with protein bars and we used to eat them for field hockey and they were really good um and, like not good tasting but like i felt good eating and them. those if you're looking for something this would be something that maybe if somebody was like bulking or if they're playing a sport they are some of the higher calorie uh protein bars and they do have a lot of sugar in them i think because the other day i was at the store and i was getting some protein bars and i and i saw those and i just checked just to see and they have like it's like 25 or 30 grams of sugar for a bar yeah it's a lot that's a lot. I mean, that's almost like a soda, <laughs> but yeah. you know, for somebody who was maybe trying to gain weight and you need it, and it was like 350 or 400 calories for this bar. Yeah. Um, so and the maybe other one even that, like a good, um, like a good intro workout too. So that would, cause that way you get some of the carbs from the sugar and you can use yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. The other one that I like is the one bars. They're kind of like a less gritty, less fibery quest bar. And they only have one gram of sugar. That's why they're called one. But they are much lower in fiber, but same amount of protein as a Quest bar um, and a little bit less fat. So a little lower calorie, but the flavors are almost like one-to-one, same types of flavors you can get as Quest, but they, uh, yeah, less less fiber, less gummy texture to them. Um, so typically I'll either get a one bar or a no-cow bar, but I prefer the no-cow because uh, I don't I do not do uh, milk proteins. Um mm-hmm. And the no cow is not super high in fiber, but I think both of us, if given the choice, RX bar is probably your favorite. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So while we're on the food topic here, let's go ahead and get into Thanksgiving food. Let's go overrated, underrated. Let's just roll through the list of, of top Thanksgiving foods, overrated, underrated, uh, and we'll, we'll weigh in. So let's start with turkey. Turkey overrated or underrated? Completely overrated. <laughs> I guess we should say light, light meat and dark meat. Um, I would still say turkey is overrated. I will take a roasted chicken 10 times out of 10 over <laughs> a turkey because no matter who makes the turkey, every time I've eaten it, it's like dry and dry. Like so dry and it's just not the same. Even the dark meat, I just feel like is not the same. Like it, I don't get good flavor from it. Yeah, yeah. I I would I would say turkey is overrated. Uh, and, and the whole thing with tryptophan making you making you sleepy. Like there is higher <laughs> levels of tryptophan in which is, a, is an amino acid in turkey, but it's literally in almost every protein that you eat. And the amount that you would actually have to consume to make you tired is is insane. The reason why you're so sleepy is because you consume like uh, like twelve hundred to sixteen hundred calories in one meal, and a large portion of that is very starchy carbohydrates, and that's what's making you sleepy. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah. turkeys turkeys Your body overrated. Uses so much energy. Oh gosh, just yeah, just try to just try to break the food down. Yeah. Uh, what about what about turkey gravy? Just gravy in general. Oh. Um, I love to wait. What's the opposite of overrated? Underrated? Underrated. Like it's not, it, it's, it's not given. Well, I guess properly rated could be a middle one too. Is it overrated, properly okay. rated I or underrated? Properly rated. Turkey gravy slaps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, I, for me, I, I think gravy in general is overrated. I think that you pour it on other things to try to give it flavor and moisture and why don't you just make those other foods better? You wouldn't have to just drown it in gravy. But I, I do under people love gravy. <laughs> yeah, gravy, gravy. So it's literally just a pool of fat and it's amazing. <laughs> oh, Ra- Rachel will drink gravy out of a cup. Like at, my, at our Thanksgiving, <laughs> awesome. something before my mom has handed her a very small cup of gravy and I watched her sip on it like it was a fine brandy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All right. uh, Mashed potatoes. Um, Underrated. You think mashed potatoes are underrated? Yeah, because people sometimes talk about how it's like disgusting because the texture, but mashed potatoes are a classic and they're amazing. (laughs) Man, I'm going to go with overrated. It's, it's, I love, and I love potatoes, but I think mashed is a is an inferior form of potato consumption. <laughs> I would much rather have, I would much rather have fried potatoes or roasted potatoes or baked potatoes. I just don't think mashed potatoes and because unless you and you have to add so much butter and milk and gravy to it to make it not taste like just paste. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So is it the the, mash, the mashed potato just the portal for the butter and the gravy, right? Yeah, that's what makes it so good. Okay. <laughs> well, then okay. also, like, what what's great about mashed potatoes versus, like, other, like, some of the other starches at Thanksgiving is, like, you can take it, and because it's sticky and it's, like, mashed, obviously, it, like, can act as a binder. So you can, I like to mix my veggies with my mashed potatoes. So then it's, like, a uh, really good, like, mixture texture, and it's just delicious. <laughs> it's just, like, culinary mortar. 
<laughs> for the for the brick in your stomach. Okay, uh, stuff stuffing. Um, properly rated. Uh, massively underrated. I think stuffing should be eaten year year round on plates across America. <laughs> I love stuffing so much. I like regular stuffing. I like stuffing out of the bird. I like oyster stuffing. Uh, oh, oyster stuffing is so good. Yes, I, and I think oyster stuffing is probably underrated it's, mm-hmm. it's because it's just because I, I don't even like oysters. Uh, raw oysters are just not my thing. I will demolish some oyster <laughs> stuffing. Um, yeah, it's so good. But is stuffing only good because we only get it like a couple times a year? Mm-hmm. Probably because I feel right? like I, if you I feel like if we did eat it now that I'm thinking about it, if we did eat it all year, maybe it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, like if you ate meal prep stuffing, well, also stuffing doesn't keep very well. <laughs> meal prep stuffing. <laughs> that would be that would be gross. <laughs> but stuffing Better, is good. Although I'm I'm sure many people that I've worked with would rather have me reheated stuffing instead of uh reheated microwave tilapia. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're having flashbacks all right uh that's stuffing um okay cranberry sauce or relish which one do you want which one do you do you eat um neither you know i know because i know you don't eat fruit but i wasn't sure if that was a wild card because it's not really sweet no no i won't i won't i won't do either but the one that looks more appetizing is like the fresh one that doesn't come out of the can when i see like just the cylinder of cranberry like flop out of the can (laughs) (laughs) nothing nothing like a wet flop of cranberry sauce just to kick that meal off yeah (laughs) see i know i didn't like so i've always liked the cranberry relish because my family has always made it fresh and i didn't understand how people could eat the the cylinder flop (laughs) until i had uh the lingonberry jelly jam stuff from ikea with the meatballs and i was like oh like jelly (laughs) with meat Jelly meat is delicious. So then last Thanksgiving, I was like, okay, let me try some of this weird, like you can still see the ridges of the can on this thing on the plate. What if I try some of this with the turkey? Will it make this turkey more palatable? And it does. I think that you that you can elevate the turkey by adding the cylinder sauce. <laughs> cylinder sauce. <laughs> is it like, like if- <laughs> is it the combo of the textures too, or is it mostly just the flavor? Some of it's just applying moisture to the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I th- but no, actually it does. Uh, I think it complements the flavor of the turkey and I think it makes the turkey much, much better. Oh. Uh, okay, uh, green green bean casserole. Oh, so good. Um, I would say underrated for sure. Underrated, okay. I would say properly rated. I think it's a staple of Thanksgiving, but I think it's something that people don't have year round for a reason. Yeah, well, I think people, I get, well, yeah, especially like with the, with the, because most people I think make it with cream of mushroom soup and then the onions, right? Yes, yes, the, the classic yeah. way. Yeah, I feel like it'd be kind of weird to eat that in the middle of summer. Yeah, <laughs> meal, <laughs> meal prepped. You're, we, should, we, should, we should do a Thanksgiving challenge. We should try just a meal prep Thanksgiving for 16 weeks and see how we feel at the end of it. That'd be so fun. I'll, I'll participate in that. That, that. that, I mean, I feel like I could do it. Gosh, I mean, yeah. I ate, gosh, geez, I ate sweet potatoes, rice, and ground beef for three meals a day for 16 weeks at one point. 
Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I could <laughs> definitely do it. Do it. All right, let's skip to the, uh, I don't think there's anything, there's a couple other ones that people make that are not your classic ones, but I think we cover the classic ones. Now getting into the sweet side, sweet potato casserole. Um, wait, I would say properly rated. I think it's really properly good. Rated? It's like not the best thing ever, but um, I would say properly rated. I, I, I mean, I know it's properly rated, but I love it so much. I just, I think it's incredible. I look forward to it. And I'm so glad that we only get it one time a year because it's just, it's so calorie laden <laughs> that <laughs> it would be really hard to maintain a healthy body weight if that were, were available year round. Oh my gosh. And yeah, you, imagine it, eating that like every it, day. Oh gosh, no. And it needs to be topped with the brown sugar and the like the pecans on the top, not the marshmallows. Oh, you don't like the marshmallow one. Nah, not a fan of the marshmallows. Some people put the cranberries, which I know you wouldn't like, but no, I don't. I'll eat it with the marshmallows. Like I won't throw it back at somebody or throw hands because they put marshmallows on top of my sweet potatoes, but I would prefer the the crusty brown sugar topping. Mm, yeah, I think the, I think both toppings are really, really good. The pecans yeah. do make it. Have you ever had it where it's the pecans mixed with the marshmallows? Not mixed, but like it's you get both pecans and marshmallows. Oh, no, I think I would like that. Yeah, I had it once and it was really good, but I only had it that one time. So it all right, let's roll into let's roll into the pie section. Uh, lemon meringue pie. Um. Well, I'm a terrible judge of that one, but I'll just say underrated. No, underrated? no, I mean overrated. Overrated. Yeah, I think overrated. I think lemon meringue pie is overrated. Plus, it does not keep well at all. Like the meringue totally. just gets very odd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pumpkin pumpkin pie. Um, the most overrated food on the planet. Really. Yeah. I think it's I think it's properly rated. I think it gets the amount of respect that it deserves. It's really just a carrier form for your uh, for your whipped cream, but uh, really things under you think is that overrated. Yeah, because like you said, like the whipped cream is always so good, but the actual and the crust is good, but the actual like filling of the pie, I'm always just kind of like, eh, I could totally live without this, like completely. So you'd rather just have a pie crust just filled with whipped cream. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, app, and then apple pie. I think that's the other one that some people typically have. Um, I'm not a good judge of this one either, but I would probably say properly rated because I feel like the perception of it is probably pretty spot on with how it actually is. Yes. <laughs> you, you sound like, like, a, like an alien who's just learning about Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> what is this apple pie you speak of? <laughs> Yep, I I think I think apple pie. I mean, especially apple pie with ice cream. If the, if the apple pie is hot and ice cream obviously is cold, I think it's a great combo. But I don't I don't crave pie. I don't think about it. It's like to me, like the sweet potatoes is a perfect end for the meal. I could do mm -hmm. without dessert after that. I would rather have a double portion of sweet potatoes than pie. Oh yeah, no, I I agree. Like pie is kind of like I feel like pie in general is overrated. Yes, like, for the most part, like. I'll take like a brownie or an ice cream or a cookie or I'll take even like no dessert maybe like sometimes like I definitely like foregone pumpkin pie before for just no dessert because you'd rather just eat even more savory stuff yeah like I'm, I'm like well I'll just take more mac and cheese instead yeah this is mac and cheese I don't see now a lot of people say that mac and cheese is a Thanksgiving food I don't think it's a Thanksgiving food uh, I I don't think it's a, I think it's actually more of like a Christmas food than a Thanksgiving or like a New okay. Year's food than a Thanksgiving food. Yeah, but mac and cheese is my absolute favorite Thanksgiving food, even though it's not a Thanksgiving food. Wow, <laughs> um, it's my favorite. Like, like a, well, I love mac and cheese. I could eat mac and cheese every day, though. Like, whenever. 
Could you eat mac and cheese three times a day for 16 weeks? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) If it was good mac and cheese. Have you ever mixed a can of tuna with a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese? Uh, I actually have. I've done the well, not the can, but I've done the um, this like the Starkist packets. Pack, yeah, just just tu- just tuna and mac and cheese. Well, I've done tuna peas and mac and cheese. Ooh, see, I've only ever it done was, tuna and mac and cheese, and that's good. like that is like some like that'll get you through some hard times financially and emotionally. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that's like perfect because those tuna packets are really affordable. So like. For if you need protein, like stat, but you're, you don't really have like the money for it. Like tuna is a good way to go. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's not something that you want to be eating a lot of because there are much better starch choices for you than, than mac and yeah. cheese. But uh, yeah, that's that we'll throw that one in as underrated, even though it's not a Thanksgiving food, it's <laughs> underrated <laughs> tuna and mac yes. and cheese. Awesome. All right, Delaney, I got to jump. Thanks so much for hanging yes. out. I'm glad we got Thank to cover you. stuff about training sit while I was sick, talked about limb proportions, talked about protein bars, and of course, went through Thanksgiving and hopefully uh, didn't lose half of our listeners uh, by certain things that we thought were overrated. <laughs> we, st- we, still, we still love you all. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate it. If you could like this episode or leave it a rating on whatever platform you're currently listening to it on, if you could share it with your friends, that would be awesome as well. If you would like to start a fight with us over Thanksgiving food via social media, you can find us using the handle at Straight Shot Training on all social media platforms. Let me know what food you think is overrated or underrated when it comes to Thanksgiving. And if you would like to see what we do here at Straight Shot Training, Training, you can find us at 8411 Broadband Drive, Suite E, Frederick, Maryland, or down in North Carolina at Kinetics Physiotherapy and Performance in Mount Holly, North Carolina. And if you would like to train with us and you're nowhere near the Frederick area or Mount Holly, North Carolina, you can train with us online via Zoom or via our app. And you can find all that information over at Straight Shot Training. Now, if you would like to train with us in person, I'd like to invite you to a free semi-private personal training session. All you have to do is head to our website, straightshottraining.com. Up at the top, click free session, fill out the form right there, and I'll get in touch with you and set you up with your free session. Thanks again for listening today and have a great week, everybody.